We're back with our second podcast with Duncan Inverarity from Irish Law for Men, Our Good Body. And today we're speaking about the end of employment. Thanks, Ailey. And hi again, Duncan. Um, so, Duncan, um, I wanted to start, please. Um, uh, we're talking about firing uh, people in this, this podcast. And I want to start by talking about sort of what protections against dismissal employees um, enjoy in Ireland that, that employers will, will need to be, uh, to be aware about. Yeah, I think a fundamental difference between the UK and Ireland in terms of employment rights on the termination of employment is the employment injunction. I'll come back to that in a minute. We, we have very similar laws to you, although there are differences, which I'm, I'm sure we can explore insofar as the unfair dismissal regime is concerned. But we have a statutory regime protecting people from um, unfair dismissal. So in Ireland, any dismissal is unfair unless it is based on um, conduct, capability, competence, redundancy, or some other substantial reason. So if it doesn't fit into those categories, it is an unfair dismissal. Um, those categories are very broad, and I think you'd be hard-pressed not to think of a termination that doesn't come within in those, uh, those specific confines. So if you can establish that, it's not an unfair dismissal. But the onus is going to be on the employer to prove that it wasn't an unfair dismissal. So, so apologies for the double negative. But uh, what that means is all dismissals are presumed to be unfair unless the, or until the employer can prove otherwise. Now, the only exception with that is constructive dismissal, which is where an employee uh, because of the conduct of their employer, says, I'm not taking this anymore and will resign. So the onus is on the employee in that circumstance to prove that they had to do what they did. So let's put unfair dismissal aside for a moment, uh, which would be the majority of, uh, sorry, which would be the significant jurisdiction for dealing with terminations. There is also provision in our Industrial Relations Act for an employee to take a trade dispute to the Workplace Relations Commission in circumstances uh, where they have a trade dispute. And the definition of trade dispute is broad enough to encompass uh, an unfair dismissal or a termination of employment. The only employees who would take that uh, course are employees who have less than the requisite 12 month service, which is what is required to bring an unfair dismissal claim under the legislation. The third aspect that employees can uh, bring is a discrimination claim uh, on the basis that, that they have been uh, terminated for a discriminatory reason. Uh, that uh, is also available to employees, but cannot be run in parallel with an unfair dismissal claim. Then the final aspect, which is the most significant difference between ourselves and the UK, is the employment injunction, which I referred to earlier. So in Ireland, we have a constitutional right to natural justice and fair procedure. And in circumstances where I, as an employee, am of the view that that's been denied, then I am entitled to apply to the High Court for an employment injunction. Now, um, employment injunctions are incredibly expensive, both for employees and employers. They're very high stake, they're very high risk. So unlike our other jurisdictions, the traditional employment jurisdictions, 
in the high court, costs will follow the event. So if an employee takes an employment injunction and they lose, ultimately, uh, or in fact lose the, the, uh, their initial application, they may be faced with a significant costs bill. And there is a wealth of jurisprudence around the employment injunction uh, and what it would, what would require, oh, sorry, what an employee must satisfy in order to obtain an employment injunction. But without getting into that level of detail, it's really important for, for people to understand, for employees to understand that if you truncate your process, uh, if you do not afford the employee natural justice or due process, there is a chance that they will uh, take an employment injunction. And just the taking of an employment injunction is very public, uh, no doubt would make the media, uh, and very costly. So it's something which is a fundamental difference between ourselves and UK that employers need to be aware of. Yeah, that is that is quite different. Well, very different and certainly not something that, that, that would happen here. And obviously, definitely something to bear in mind when you're kind of going through that process then. And you 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 mentioned there that the, the bringing a trade dispute claim, and that's, again, something that we don't have. But we do obviously have uh, the two year. Well, so to bring up to bring an unfair dismissal claim in a similar similar um, uh, way in the UK, you need to have two year service um, to get the protection from that. And that. Um, and the compensation for that is capped at one year's salary or around £90,000, whichever is lower. Um, because of that cap, we often see employees bring discrimination claims to maximise their potential compensation because there is no cap where a discrimination claim is tagged onto an unfair dismissal claim or, or is separate. Um, do, do you see that in Ireland then? Do you have the kind of employees bringing discrimination claims, I suppose, with a view to taking the cap off their compensation? Uh, yeah, that's a, it's a, again an interesting difference between the two jurisdictions. So the unfair dismissal regime is a year's service. So you only need a, year, a year's service to access the unfair dismissal act. And the uh, redress, apart from the normal reinstatement, reinstatement uh, redress is remuneration uh, based on an assessment of a two year cap. So it's not £90,000 or an equivalent, it is a two-year cap of remuneration. So if you are, um, certainly there's been awards made by the Workplace Relations Commission of two years salary for an employee who was on 650000 So it was a 1.3 million award. So you have a, with the greatest respect, reasonably low level employment forum making awards of 1.3 million euro. So technically any employee, whether you are um, working in the car park or the chief executive officer, uh, you can take a claim under the Unfair Dismissal Act and the cap is two years remuneration. So we don't see that phenomenon that you're seeing in the UK because the discrimination uh, legislation would produce a similar result. The fundamental difference between the discrimination claim and the unfair dismissal jurisdiction, apart from one's discrimination and one's unfair dismissal, is the fact that it, under unfair dismissal, you have a duty to mitigate. So while the cap is two years, in fairness, it's rare that an employee is awarded two years salary, unless the adjudication officer or, or the Labor Court take a particular view on the conduct of an employer. Um, although there is no power to, to issue punitive damages, it's more the fact that they make an assessment um, based on the conduct of the employer up to two years remuneration but you do have a duty to mitigate. So that is to try and obtain alternative employment or at least be seen to be obtaining alternative employment.
on it. And in this day and age in Ireland, I don't know what it's like in the UK, um, employment is reasonably buoyant. So there would be a reasonable expectation that employees at the moment would be able to obtain alternative employment. So that's the difference between the two action, but the cap is by and large the same. Yeah, and, and that's um, that, that's quite an interesting point of difference, I suppose, between the, the UK and Ireland um, here. In the UK, largely for, for all of our claims, it's based on compensation for loss of salary with a duty to mitigate. Um, and that applies whether it's it's a capped claim like unfair dismissal or an uncapped claim like discrimination or, or whistleblowing, which is whistleblowing in the UK is treated as a form of unfair dismissal or detriment claim, but without without a cap like, like discrimination. Um, there is also a sort of modest injury to feelings um, potential, but the, the duty to mitigate applies for, for the damages section of any of those claims. And yeah, certainly we see Sorry, I was going to say it's interesting. We don't we don't have the the injury to feelings claim. And sorry, remiss of me not to mention the protected disclosures. Are, we we do have a protected disclosures regime, which, insofar as termination is concerned, is considered to be an unfair dismissal. And we have up to five years remuneration um, in in the event that someone is terminated for making a protected disclosure. That said, we haven't had any awards to that level, um, and there are. There are rights that people have in the event that they take a claim, a, success, a successful claim under the protected disclosure regime, which would include obtaining an employment injunction in circumstances which don't require you to go to the high court. It would be in the circuit court uh, and a more efficient way of, of dealing with an employment injunction. So uh, you're right, Adam, we do have a similar regime in Ireland under the Protected Disclosures Act. Yeah, and, and actually, um, the whistleblowing regime in the UK is one of the rare examples where there is a form of employment injunction um, related to dismissal. It's it's not um, it's not widely known by claimants, but there is potential to bring a form of employment injunction to preserve employment pending a full employment tribunal claim um, if if it's a dis dismissal related to, to whistleblowing status, um, very rarely uh, run by claimants because there isn't great awareness of it. Um, but that, that is a rare example of that in the, in the UK. Yeah. Um, and so, so having talked talk this all through, I suppose, you know, if an employer has a, a cause termination situation, you know, someone who's committed what appears to be gross misconduct, what, what steps are you looking at um, in Ireland to try to sort of avoid avoid this injunction route, avoid whatever type of claim they might bring? You know, what what would good look like in terms of a, a process for, for dismissal? Yeah, that's a, a complex, sorry, it's an easy question with a complex answer. It's probably uh, the best way to approach that. In very general terms, an employer has to follow due process what does that mean? Well, due process is essentially set out by the employer in their policy, in terms of their disciplinary policy, uh, and they have to go through that process. Uh, if they don't, there is going to be um, a fundamental problem insofar as the process that you have applied uh, may not be fit for purpose and gives rise to the unfair dismissal claim. Uh, there is also the requirement to go through, uh, as I've said, and satisfy an employee's constitutional rights. 
and that overlaps with the due process. There's no doubt about that. But it touches on things like uh, allowing the employee to be, uh, sorry, to inform the employee precisely of what the allegations are, to give the employee the right to respond to those allegations, the right to representation, um, which is a big question. And what does that mean? It means that they are entitled to be represented by a trade union official uh, or another work colleague, but no one unconnected with the business. So what does that mean? Lawyers. There has been recent jurisprudence to suggest that lawyers, it's not, sorry, it's not a standard requirement that lawyers be present at a disciplinary hearing, uh, but it still leaves open the door that in exceptional circumstances, it is appropriate that a lawyer to be there. Uh, but the case that I'm talking about involved uh, a sort of alleged criminal behaviour of an employee, um, reasonably complex case, but the Supreme Court still held, which is our highest court, still held that that did not constitute exceptional circumstances. So they have to be really exceptional circumstances for, for a lawyer as of right to be there. And, you know, maybe in circumstances where it's not just your employment you're losing, but it's your vocation. So I'm thinking of, say, regulated, regulated employees uh, to include financial services, but to include, say, the medical profession, to include nurses, uh, people who are lawyers, perhaps, who are regulated, uh, where if you are found to be in the wrong, you not only lose your employment, but you may lose your vocation. So perhaps in those sort of circumstances. So I digress slightly. Um, other constitutional uh, rights are the right to confront your accuser, which is the right to cross-examine. Again, somewhat misunderstood, um, really only uh, directed to where there is conflicts of evidence. You can't, so for example, if you have a bullying and harassment, it's almost an anathema to allow the person who's accused of bullying an individual to come in and cross-examine that individual. So it is a complex uh, and sensitive area that, that you need to look at. But there's some of the constitutional rights that employees have. And when they do uh, have legal representation, you can be rest assured that they will be insisting on, on, on all of those rights. That's interesting. I think the, yeah, similar in the UK in terms of who employees have a right to be accompanied by. Um, uh, but yeah, very similar approach. And then obviously separate to the kind of the, the statutory and the constitutional kind of requirements of the process. Um, obviously, you're aware in the UK, we've, we've an, an employer has to of course, dismiss in accordance with, with the contract and um, employers, we often see contracts have, give employers the right to place employees on garden leave or pay in leave notice. And some jurisdictions don't have those rights. I, I, I think you do in Ireland, is, is, that, is that fair to say? Is there any differences with those terms? Yeah, so one other, just touching on that point, Ailey, is the right to terminate simply by giving notice. So a employment contract, as in the UK, is a contract between an employer and employee that can be terminated by giving notice. And there is no problem in doing that. So I can simply walk into an employee and say, I'm terminating you without cause by giving you notice under your contract or the statute, whatever is more beneficial to the employee. And that's available to me. The downside of that is that it is an absolute slam dunk unfair dismissal because I'm not dismissing them for conduct, capacity, competency, redundancy, and so on. I am just dismissing them in accordance with the terms of the contract. So it is an unfair dismissal almost by definition. So there is the right to do that. 
insofar as garden leave is concerned, uh, absolutely. Uh, you can put employees on garden leave if it's provided for in the contract. And similarly, you can pay in lieu of notice if it's provided for in the contract. So it, the contract is, is the answer to, to that issue, but it's certainly something which is available. Although um, I always find garden leave in the Northern Hemisphere is not nearly as attractive as garden leave in the Southern Hemisphere. Much warmer down there. <laughs> so, um, Duncan, one other thing just to touch on very briefly was um, any sort of special protections that, that apply from dismissal. So I'm thinking in the UK um, uh, that there are special rules that apply um, for uh, people who are pregnant. There are special rules apply for people who are trade union officials, um, th things like that. Um, presumably you have sort of similar concepts um, in Ireland as well. Yeah, Adam, we do. Uh, so employees who are on maternity leave cannot be terminated while they're on maternity leave. Uh, so they are protected and the termination or well, any termination which is uh, meant to take effect while they're on maternity leave is just null and void and cannot take effect until the person returns from maternity leave, which raises issues for those employees. So, for example, if they're made redundant, um, their redundancy cannot take effect till they get back from maternity leave. But if there is a payment on, on offering, on offer, sorry, for an employee, they may want to take it sooner rather than later and not wait till they return from maternity leave. So, you will find employees. So it's almost artificially coming back from maternity leave early in order to access um, a severance payment. But by and large, you, you cannot terminate an employee on, on uh, maternity leave. You can't terminate employees, as you said, trade union officials, or if they're being they're terminated because of their trade union activity. Uh, but again, that's very, very rarely used. Employees are too savvy to to, to do that. They they don't um, they don't tend to do that. So it really is the, the majority of cases involving protected employees of those who are on maternity leave. That's interesting because actually in the UK, you can turn somebody on maternity leave, but um, obviously it, it's just there's more risk around it, but you could make somebody redundant. They would just maybe have certain entitlements to continue pay, but, but that's an interesting difference. Then finally, so, um, uh, just covering kind of practical steps that employers should be thinking about when they're trying to resolve termination disputes in Ireland. Um, is there any specific things that employers should be thinking about? Like, for example, and I assume that you can um, offer a severance package in return for employee waiving their claims under a settlement agreement. Yeah, uh, absolutely. A fundamental difference with the UK, though, which a lot of UK employers are not aware of, is this concept that you have that we don't of protected discussions. So an employer cannot have a protected discussion with an employee unless they involve either their in-house counsel or their external lawyer. So the more traditional approach, shall we say, to, to those types of discussions where a truly without prejudice discussion has to occur between lawyers uh, for it to maintain that, that element of, or sorry, to maintain the without prejudice nature of that discussion. So you can't as an employee go and say to an employee, look, we can go we can go through a very difficult process or let's come to a deal because that conversation can be used in subsequent proceedings. And um, if that conversation happens, it would be pretty much uh, a prejudgment of the outcome of any procedure that had to be gone through by way of a disciplinary procedure or, or otherwise. 
So again, that, that's a, a fundamental difference with the UK. Um, that said, these issues often end in severance payments being made um, and severance agreements being signed up where employees waive their rights. Again, a difference with the UK is that you have to have legal advice or a certificate from a legal advisor uh, with your severance arrangements, whereas in Ireland you don't. But the jurisprudence uh, is very much along the lines of if the employee is not advised of what they're in fact giving up and signing away, then it's probably not worth the paper it's written on. Now, that includes lawyers, clearly, but also trade union officials. So you need someone who is... Uh, uh, aware of what the employee has given up in order to advise them properly and say that really is lawyers and trade union officials but severance payments uh, are fairly common if you go down to the workplace relations commission i'd say probably 80 percent of cases would resolve either at the at the employment sorry at the workplace relations commission or prior to by way of severance payments perfect thank you so that um, wraps up our second um, uh, podcast in this set and please join us in the next one where we'll be covering other key employment law topics in Ireland.